You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. from the seven. Daniel Jones on third down, lobs one up. There is a flag, and it is a catch by Sterling Shepard for a Giants touchdown. Welcome back to Just Science with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I am your host, the Football Grump, and with me, as always, is Mike, the Cranky Fan. Grump, I'm earning my name today after yesterday's performance, the disappointment of yesterday. Uh, you want a not-so-fun fact, Grump? Yes. There's There's only been one team since the start of the 2017 season has not had a winning record at any point. Wow. That would be our New York that would be our New York football team. At any point during the season? At any point during the season. That's a gross, gross, gross fact. Um, we well, wanted- I mean, I, I'm going to live up to it too. This is going to be a grumpy and cranky podcast. I mean, we were pretty livid leaving the stadium there. Um, but before we get into all that, be sure to subscribe, please. iTunes, SoundCloud, uh, you know, uh, Spotify, and of course YouTube now as well. Uh, big, big, big help to us. But the Giants lose week one. They fall to the Denver Broncos 27-13. to 13. Uh-oh. You hear that alarm? You know what that means? One thing only. It is overreaction Monday. Some some people were losing their shit. And... and to a certain extent, rightfully so. I mean, there was a lot of things here that were dreadful from this game. Um, and, and it's frustrating. You know, I, I understand guys have been away from this team in person uh, for over a year now. And, you know, we got there early. We were wandering around the parking lot. We ran into some, some familiar faces, whatever. But, I mean, from the parking lot to the stadium to the concourse, Giants fans showed up for this game. So they have every right to be disappointed with the performance that was out there. Well, you just hit the nail on the head. They have a right to be very disappointed. Mm-hmm. To make blanket statements and definitive state of the franchise, you know, comments about, you know, that's it, I'm done, I've had it, everything is a disaster, you know. I think people, you know, it happens every year, every fan base, you know, the uh, you know, the 16 teams that lose on week 1, people get out of control. What they see, they think, is the way it's going to be for the next 16 weeks. And, you know, one of our jobs on this show is to kind of take people off the ledge. And let's put things in perspective. We will definitely discuss, you know, some of the the, the most common tropes we are seeing from the lunatic fringe of, you know, Giants Twitter and the fan base. You know, the, the, the fan callers and stuff. But let's go through the game from what we saw, our perspective, our thoughts and takes. And then we'll kind of address what's out there and kind of... Hopefully, get everybody off the ledge. Yeah, I mean, Giants fans saw a lot of what they they didn't want to see, um, but it seemed like a lot of their ire was misdirected to, in, in my opinion, kind of uh, the familiar things that that you know get under their skin, right? I mean, three and outs are, are things that get under the skin. Um, you know, the short play calls, but the the frustrating thing for me here, and this is. This is my number one fart. For for new those of you who are new to the podcast here, we do stars and farts for every every episode. All those players who earned a star, they get a star. We'll give them an honorable mention. Sometimes we do honorable mentions for guys who couldn't quite get to a star but but deserved some kind of mention. And we do farts for the guys who screwed it up and shit the bed. Um, and my number one fart, and I don't understand how anyone could have a fart bigger and louder and wetter than this, is the entire fucking defense. Let me put it to you this way. Denver was 10 of 15 on third and fourth down, and that number is actually worse than that because some of that was garbage time where yeah. you know they're just running the ball to run out the clock. That is pathetic given that this is the second most expensive secondary in the league. We were so excited for this. Jesus, crazy lightning going on outside. Holy crap, Whoa. did you hear that? This is not just overreaction Monday. This is the wrath of the football gods are really pissing the Giants. Yeah, it's, it's, there's a car alarm going off too. Um, oh, geez, oh, is that going to go on the whole time? All right. Um, 
I mean, it was terrible. It, it was it was fucking awful. And and this is supposed to be the strength of this team. And the roster is built that way, and they're schemed that way. They're schemed for this defense to be getting those get the ball back to the offense, let the offense develop a rhythm, run the ball, get Barkley in a rhythm, get Jones in a rhythm, and that just did not happen. Categorically, the defense just did not get off the field. Denver punted twice. Yeah, I think. Uh... You know, I think it was a very bad game plan by the defense. I think Patrick Green did a, did a terrible job scheming this and adjusting during the game. But this doesn't bother me in the long term because I know what this defense is. I know the talent on the team. I know this coaching staff. I've seen it in action last year. It's better than it was last year. So to me, this is one of those kind of week one things where, you know, this is the new NFL. The new NFL does not use preseason anymore to get ready for the season. The new NFL uses preseason to evaluate talent who's going to make your roster. And it's going to take, you know, all 32 teams. It's going to take them a couple of games to get themselves playing into, I don't want to say game shape, but game rhythm. And this defense played like a team that really, you know, hadn't game plan for a, for a team and hadn't executed as a team just yet. So, you know, the offense, we'll talk about the offense shortly, how we have concerns. These are concerns we had going into the into the season and things didn't go well. But this for the defense was very disappointing, very aggravating. But isn't, I would be very shocked if it's a harbinger of what's going to happen for the final 16 games this year. I agree. And I think that's totally why, why fans are more dismissive of the disgraceful fucking performance by the defense. Because they know that Patrick Graham has shown himself with inferior talent through 16 games last year. He put together a defense that was respectable with with a, a roster that clear, that probably shouldn't have been respected. Um, and and th- I think there's a lot, of, a lot of people are looking at this like, you know... It's week one. He can turn it around. Jason Garrett, on the other hand, I don't trust to, to turn it around. And I, and I do get that. I do. But the thing is, I don't think Jason Garrett needs to turn anything around. I think this is kind of the offense that he envisioned. Before you go crazy, I mean philosophically. And if you're going nuts over that, then you're crazy because it was never going to change too much. Look, this is all about a common theme we've had on the show for the longest time. It's you're going into this season with preconceived notions and preconceived opinions about a variety of topics. If you don't like Dave Gettleman, you are just going to prove your narrative going forward. With every move he makes is going to be, you see, I told you he sucks. If you don't like Jason Garrett, most likely it's because, well, he was the Cowboy coach, and I hate the Cowboys, and I just can't wrap my head around the fact that a cowboy coach, who used to be the Giants assistant at one point, man, you, is now our coach. And you are going to hate every single thing he does. You are not going to accept anything that he does at all. So this – you have to separate you know, what you believe coming into this and not just validating what you think. And also let's separate out what happened in this game versus what you think will happen the rest of the season. I mean this game was truly lost because of the defense – that doesn't mean that the offense doesn't have problems and this is going to be an issue going forward, but let's look at what actually happened for the 60 minutes. This game had nothing to do with game planning by Jason Garrett. You know, uh, Daniel Jones, how he played outside of the fumble. We'll talk about that. You know, all these different things. This game was lost because this defense could not get off the field. Time possession was gross. They only had 20-something plays at halftime. That's why we lost. Pure and simple. Yeah, I mean, quite frankly, I mean, I can spit out stats to you, but you have to keep in mind that this is a Teddy Bridgewater fucking offense. That he they, they he threw for nearly 300 yards and two touchdowns. He was almost perfect throwing the ball, 28 of 36. I mean, and, and some of those are bad drops too. So we'll we'll get into that. another another huge part I had that's part of this defense. A Dory Jackson looked rusty. If I'm being as nice as I can about it. There is a, a big time deep. I want to say like a fifty yard throw from Teddy Bridgewater. Hamler was absolutely wide open in the end zone, and he just simply dropped it. And who was in coverage but Adoree Jackson? Um, in general, Jackson seemed just slightly off a little bit. And again, I don't have unfortunately the luxury of all twenty two right now. The NFL's not. It's not out. Okay, I, I don't know what to tell you. But 
I can't really tell when he's supposed to be in coverage or not, given the fucking broadcast angle, so I did my best. It looks like he was the culprit a couple of times. Um, but but that one drop alone was enough for a fart, because that was pathetic, and that would have ended this game even earlier. Um, but but I agree with you. Like, we need to take all of this. Like, I'm, I'm giving the... I'm lacing into the defense right now. I don't think it's going to be like that forever, but in the microcosm of this game... They deserve a lot of blame. Right. And the one thing we don't want to do on this show going forward, every snap, every series, every quarter, every game is not going to be a referendum on the state of the giant franchise. I don't want to do that. It's boring. It doesn't mean anything. So we're going to try to keep this as what does it mean for this game as much as we can during these episodes. There will be plenty of time that we'll wander off into tangents and talk about what does this ultimately mean. But – the bottom line is this was week one of a 17-week schedule, and I and week one is always the wonkiest week, with the exception maybe a week 17 when people are resting players to the playoffs. But if you are drawing conclusions from anything you saw yesterday, like I said, you probably had those conclusions before kickoff, and you're just reinforcing what you believed. I, I you know, there's a lot of football to be played even this month, where this season. Some of you think it's over already and it's time for the rebuild to start again. You know, we could be talking in, thir- you know, 13 days from now in a whole different scenario than we are right now. So let's keep that in mind, please. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't want to be – I don't want to be overly negative, but I'm trying to be as fair as possible to what the performance was I saw out there. And it just wasn't good in most phases of the game there. I mean, no. the, a lot of people were, were – comp- I've, I've not a lot of people. I have seen the complaint that the, the the Broncos fans were all there at the end. The Giants fans all left. I mean, the 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 players were asked about it. Sterling Shepard and Logan Ryan had comments about Giants fans leaving the stadium early. Let me let me tell you something. There is there was energy to start that game when the other team is converting every single third down. At a certain point, it's not on the it's not the onus is not on the fans to stand up and make noise when they're converting every single third down. And I mean, third and 14, third and 17. I mean, what, when are the fans supposed to do all the work? I mean, you know what I mean? Like, how do you Wait, expect them this, to cheer? Is this the first game ever in the Meadowlands <laughs> complex? I mean, they've been playing football there since 1977, 1976. That place sucks. If mm. you drive, people leave early. Yeah, They've always true. left early when this team has been a Super Bowl team, when this team has been in the toilet, you know, Jets and Giants and go around the NFL and watch. Look at, you know, if a team is losing, people leave. People don't like sitting in traffic and they get frustrated. They want to go. I mean, I, but this is nothing new. It's not, now we're making a big deal. Why are the fans leaving? Why are they staying? We are now in a, you know, Thanks to StubHub, thanks to legalized scalping, it is easier than ever for visiting fans to get into opposing stadiums. That's a fact. I mean, uh, all I hear is how you know, Giant fans, oh, we took over in Tampa, or did you see the game in Miami? It was all Giant fans. We love that. Well, guess what? This league is so popular, and it's less and less you know, fandom based upon your geography. It's not just because – of the luck of the draw, you were born in Philly, so that means you're an Eagle fan. You can now, you know, with NFL Sunday ticket, cable, the internet, StubHub, all these things, you can be a fan of wherever you want and it doesn't matter where you live anymore. So that's the way it's always going to be. This isn't the 1970s where it was 75,000 people in giant blue. So I don't understand why this is even a topic because this is reality. And it's not just the Giants. It's any team. We've been to – I don't know, Grump, you've been to uh, Arlington. You've been to a Cowboy game there. I mean all you hear about these great Cowboy fans around the country, yeah, go to a giant Cowboy fan, uh, game. You'll see you know, 15,000, 20,000 giant fans there. How'd that happen? I mean it happens everywhere. So this is nonsense. It's absolutely true. And also I don't understand the point of complaining about it. it, it are we just looking for creative ways of saying that the team isn't good? Like yes, the player, the, the the fans left, and the only fans remaining were the fans of the winning team. I, I... What was what was entertaining about? That? I mean, forget forget. Oh, the for sure, yeah. No, I'm right that there with a, you. That was a very unentertaining slog of a game the Giants played. The defense couldn't get off the field. It's how frustrating. It's one of the most frustrating things in football is when it's third and nine, first down, 
third and four, first down. Oh, they're going for fourth down, first down. Mm-hmm. That is deflating. And you have an offense that, you know, we're don't worry, everybody. We're getting to the offense. I know you all want to talk about it, but an offense that is not. It's not built for deep shots. It's not built for that. They don't. They don't trust the offensive line. They don't trust the quarterback. I don't know what it is, but that just is. There are some intermediate and deep shots in here, but they're not. They're not. This isn't Drew Brees' Saints or Aaron Rodgers' Packers. That's just going to throw for sixty yards on one play. It's just not built like that. My point of this rant is that what this offense is is not exactly the most exciting thing. It's not getting people to the seats to watch anyway. Take it for the fact that they're losing. There's a, a deflating 70-yard touchdown run. It's like every single person in that stadium at the exact same second said, that's it, or mm-hmm. ball game, or you're ready to go. I mean, that's just common sense. And I mean, listen, I used to be someone who was like, I'm not leaving to the final gun. I'm not an asshole anymore. I mean, I'm moving on with my life. If, if the game is over, I'm going to try to get onto that next train so I don't have to stay there another hour. And this doesn't make you a weaker fan or a fan or fair weather fan. My God, if you're listening to this show right now, the last thing you are in the world is a fair weather fan because you stuck through this garbage for the last decade. I don't mean our show. I mean the Giants being garbage for the last decade. What but to your point, show? the the, the yeah. lifetime of the show, this team has been bad. I mean, we started yeah. this right after the 2016 season, so um, yeah. I mean, absolutely. But also. Let's let's get into the offense because I don't want to I don't want to I don't want to say that they're not they're not exciting. I think they can be, and I think at times they were exciting. Uh, well, let's let's, Sunday. let's let's talk about the, Let's talk about the offense for what it actually was yesterday, and not what we think it is, or what we wish it was, or anything else. What did you see out of this offense? What was the problem on the offense? Was there a problem on the offense? Let's start with that. Well, I think mean, the problem was simply that there was no rhythm, and part of that was on the defense. The defense didn't allow them to get into it. I mean, they are they are built right now, for better or worse, for a defense to get off the field quickly and keep the ball in the offensive hand to develop a rhythm because they are not a big chunk play offense. They're not built for it. That's not the way the offense is, is the, the philosophy behind the offense. We can quibble about that all we want, but that is where we are. So complaining about it now is, I mean, you can say it like, I wish this was a different offensive coordinator. Fine. But well, don't yeah, expect a different result every Sunday. I mean, this well, is what the offense is built to be. Let, let's start from the top down from the offense. Let's start with Jason Garrett. Sure. I mean, everybody, like the biggest complaint we had was, you know, Jason Garrett sucks. The play calling sucks. I mean, if you're talking about an individual play, like if it's third and goal, why did we run a draw as opposed to this or something? Those are individual plays, but people make these blanket statements like this offense sucks because of the play calling. And quite frankly, I just don't see it. I mean, let's remember, you know, the Giants have better weapons now. They 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 fortified their wide receiver core. You know, Saquon Barkley is back, and that was a huge boost. You know, the crowd went nuts when he was on the field, but that's not Saquon Barkley. Hmm. That's a guy wearing number 26 who's shaking off some major rust who hadn't played in the preseason, hadn't played really much of anything in the preseason, and is just getting his feet wet, you know, getting his legs again. We saw, you know, some tentative running, and that's completely to be expected. So for you people out there who think all of a sudden he should have come back and, you know, had 30 carries or 190 yards, and if he doesn't, he's a bust and get rid of him, you know, grab a little bit of reality, please. Um. So I will say, though, that there seem to be more chunk routes built into this. And I think part of this issue is that, you know, they've got the weapons to do it now. They can, they have a contested catch guy in Kenny Galladay where he's got the size and strength that they just simply didn't have last year. Sterling Shepard looks like a goddamn monster. And I'm going to jump right into that. Sterling Shepard is my number one star from this game. He gets number one. Yeah, me too. Star Seven star. catches on nine targets for 113 yards and a touchdown. Multiple broken tackles. Tons of yak. He, I've been saying it since the beginning of, pre, of training camp and, and preseason. Sterling Shepard looks regular season ready already. And he was. He was out there. I he, mean... He doesn't, I, look, I, he, doesn't, he doesn't look regular season ready. He looked... Like, wide receiver one ready. I mean, he looked – there was a bounce to his step. There was a little bit of a wiggle in some of the, you know, his runs and stuff. And he looked like the best he's looked in years. 
I agree. And I mean, he's also battled injuries throughout the year, so we've only gotten glimpses of him at full health, which is a fair that's criticism fine. of him. That's fine. But, that's fine, but for right now, he looked fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. And remember, he's, aside from Kenny Galladay, I think he's making the most money as a wide receiver. He had that contract extension. He's the longest tenure giant we have. Um, this may sound silly, too, but a, a wide receiver with a single number looks faster to me. I guess, you know, <laughs> no, I mean... You know, if you watch a lot of college and you watch these guys that are complete badasses, they're one or they're three or they're six or something. They're just like to do all this crazy stuff. And you know, now that they're changing numbers, I mean, you just look differently when you have a number like that. So that might be just my crazy brain, but I think that added to the way he looked. I think it's coincidental. You know what I mean? I, I think you, yeah. you notice that, but also he he looks fantastic. He looked and, he looked fantastic. Yes. Yeah, and and some of those you know, those routes were 10, 15 yards down the field. There wasn't a ton of that, but also there just wasn't a ton of offensive plays before garbage time even happened. And that is the fault of the defense. Now, we can complain about Jason Garrett, whatever, the offensive philosophy, but the fact is going into this season when they retained Jason Garrett, this was going to be the offense. They were going to load up on defense, get off the field fast, and keep giving them a chance to get into a rhythm and wear down the opposing team's defense. And eventually those chunk plays will come. But that didn't happen in this game. This offense is predicated right now on how good this offensive line will be. And this offensive line actually played better than we thought it would play. We were very, very concerned. There were some guys that played better than others, obviously, but game planning and play calling is also predicated on what you think you can do from your offensive line. And maybe the offensive line, I'll kick their coverage a little bit. So you were like, why aren't we taking more shots or why aren't we doing more things? Because Jason Garrett, Joe Judge, offensive line coach, the quarterbacks, the players themselves, they watch practice every day. They know what this offensive line can do and cannot do right now. They know what the strength and weakness of the offensive line are. And play calling and a game plan are predicated around that. They see what they think they can more often and not do. So maybe if this line continues to play a little better each week and a little better each week, you might see more things like deeper drops and deeper throws and more varied stuff. But they're only going to do what they think they can execute. And I think this offensive line is still scaring and spooking this coaching staff into what they want to, to call. And yes, that is a problem. <laughs> that needs to still be addressed. Unfortunately, it's not going to be addressed in the three days before we play. The Washington football team will not be addressed the rest of this season. It's a continuing, ongoing thing. And we're not going to talk about that today. That's for a later conversation. But no, I mean, I, I will say I agree with you. I think the offensive line played better than expected. And part of that's probably because they were game planning for Bradley Chubb to be there. And he wasn't. So, I mean, you have Andrew Thomas on Malik Reed. Andrew Thomas got an honorable mention from me. I almost gave him a star. From what I saw, I only saw one play that wasn't even bad. It was just a little rough. Um, I have to rewatch, again, no all 22. But from what I saw, Andrew Thomas looked stellar. How many, how many tackles pitch a shutout in the NFL? I mean, yeah, true. I mean, I mean, especially a guy who's really playing. It's his second year, but for all intents and purposes, it's almost like a redo of his rookie year. I thought he was fine. I mean, yeah, again, I agree with you. One of the big things on my list here of all the complaints from all the the maniacs is, you know, Andrew Thomas is a bust. I thought if Andrew you, Thomas was great in this game. <laughs> yeah, if you watch the game, and you still have that thought that he's a bust, you there's nothing that guy can do. He can have more pancakes and Waffle House. It's not going to matter. You think he's a bust because he played pretty damn well yesterday. I agree. And before before I shit in, uh, entirely on the defense, I'm going to pick it. Two of the three stars are from the defense for me. Wow. Whoa. Um, Football gods are ready. Yeah. The, 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 the heavens are pissed off at this game. Um, this is a truly grumpy podcast. Um, Logan Ryan uh, played a pretty damn good game. And again, no all 22, so I can't tell when he should have been in tighter coverage or whatever, but... From what I could see, both live and on the broadcast view, he looked pretty good. Eight tackles, two assists. He's always seemed to be around the ball. At one point, first of all, he had the forced fumble and fumble recovery, which was insanity. Kind of sheer luck, but also nothing is totally luck. I mean, when you're around the ball, good things happen. But then 
He also had a sack on a blitz that it looked like he split with Leonard Williams. And when I checked the stats, and I don't know if this is official yet or whatever, but it somehow got credited to Austin Johnson. But, but so, I mean, you go through it. He had a forced fumble, fumble recovery, half a sack, eight tackles, two assists. That's a great game. That's a great game. Absolutely is a great game. And, and you know I'm, something? He's a captain now. And, you know, when, when the defense is in turmoil, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, the play calling or just people not in position and stuff. You need a guy like him to kind of calm the waters, and he did just that. Yeah, I, I thought he was pretty good on the back end. And and a lot of these third down and fourth down conversions that we're talking about, they are at the sticks, a lot of them. Not all of them, but a lot of them. So, I mean, and and for what it's worth, I mean, they, they did stop them on third down a couple of times, three times, and, you know, fourth down, they just went for it. And fourth and short, man, it's it's not easy to stop two yards or three yards. But but fourth and seven is unacceptable. I'll say that. Oh, um, God. I'm going to hit you with one more star from the defense. Blake Martinez looked pretty damn good to me, too. Six tackles with three assists. Uh, but, but, I mean, just always around the ball. Always around the ball. Um, he, he looked like he was picking up just about where he left off last year. Uh, Grump, as you're reporting this right now, the football gods have come from your location in New Jersey to mine in the West Village because we just had our first lightning and thunder. So <laughs> you really must be pissing everybody off with these yeah. rational takes about the game. Um, yeah, you know, something you want your best players to play well. And, you know, who are the best guys we have on defense? Guys like Logan Ryan, Blake Martinez. You know, these guys need to step up. And uh, he played well as well. I, I, I think – the, the secondary in general looked a little off. You know, I, I think Jabril Peppers gets a dishonorable mention. James Bradbury gets a dishonorable mention. These guys were just not tight. I mean, even Darnay Holmes had some good plays, some bad. I mean, there was, was a that? hugely wide open play on, uh, I forget the down and distance, but it was like a 22-yard strike where Darnay Holmes jumped a short route that was already covered. And I thought it was Adoree Jackson that was way off, but he was supposed to be hovering over the top. I mean, it was a 22-yard pass without a, a single corner near this guy uh, within 10 yards of him, easily. Jabril Peppers, how many uh, plays, how many snaps was he on the field for? I didn't. It was It was a, it was a lot it less was than normal. Yes. Uh, you know, I'm curious why he wasn't playing as much. I, I didn't see anything about any injuries or anything, but, uh, you know, he needs to be on the field more, doesn't he? I mean, I think it all depends on game planning. I, I don't think that that's a thing about Jabril Peppers. I don't think that's a thing about anything. I think that was just a what they saw, the matchup. And, and quite frankly, Peppers was getting burned. Um, he was he was sent to cover a lot of drag routes across the middle that were right mm. at the sticks. And he was making the tackles right on, but it's right at the sticks. So they're converting. I mean, I think at a certain point we started seeing you know, just different defensive backs and coverage there. Um, I don't really, you know, I, I, unfortunately, we not only do I not have the all 22, I don't really have the luxury of really reviewing this game a ton before I got to start previewing for Thursday. So, and, and that, yeah. that goes just as well for Patrick Graham and Jabril Peppers. You know what I mean? Like they only have so much time before they got to start worrying about next week because next week is this week. Um, I'm going to hit one more fart here and this might be a little bit harsh, but I don't really care um, because – and I say it might be harsh because I don't think it – I don't think it really even impacted the game. But the Joe Judge challenge to me is unacceptable and I'll tell you why. When I love the idea of a CEO head coach and we, we had episodes and episodes about it and we mentioned it a million times. Over the years we've had you know Ben McAdoo where he – faces in the playbook and to the point where before he was fired i believe the game before he was fired they took the play calling away from him to That's try correct. and see if he'd be a better coach jason garrett we talked about as a head coach in dallas i just spit all over the fucking desk a head coach in dallas you know when he came over as offensive coordinator we were saying don't worry about a lot of the things that he fucked up on in dallas were game management head coach problems and then you know pat Shermer. even you know we kind of wondered was he really that involved as a head coach or was he more worried about his offense we finally got the ceo head coach so we can focus on getting his whole team ready he can take care of the game the timeouts he can manage everything he can assert himself where he's needed you have to know the fucking rule book 
I don't want to hear excuses that I was calling over the officials. They weren't looking, so I threw a challenge. Like, you just wasted a timeout because you're stupid. And not for nothing, I am sick. I am sick of MetLife Stadium after every positive play by the opponent by the opponent to have this stupid replay where they zoom in on something that's so clearly obvious that the play was as it was called. They try and, like, get the fans all riled up about it. And so what they, happened they there... Go, yeah, they, they then try to go the coaching staff. Into, and, into, and that's exactly what happened. They, they showed the replay, and, and, you know, you were right there next to me. So the whole crowd is going... And you, if you watch the, the, the broadcast, you can hear the crowd reacting to something while they're, they're showing the replay on TV. You can hear the crowd getting nuts. They show it up on the big board. He's clearly, if he's not clearly in bounds, is he's definitely not clearly out of bounds. Nothing about that showed anything to me that said that said this is bullshit. But the rules are the rules, and this rule is not new. Oh, this rule's been around he, for about five years now. You know that something? scoring plays are automatically reviewed, and if you challenge an automatically reviewed play, you you I, the penalty is you lose a timeout. I think you're a little. I I think I think he fucked up. I think it was a mistake. It was. I think. I, I, I don't, you know, people make mistakes. You know, people screw things up. You know, if I if I had a dollar for every time the refs made a mistake, I, I'd be a rich person right now. Ooh, I just think, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, which is, I'm working on my segue game here. But, you know, I just think that was just a simple mistake that was caused due to emotion and things. I'm going to let that pretty much slide because we – my opinion of Joe Judge has not changed one bit because of that particular, you know, screw up. I think now that again already I'm getting things sent over to me. Is it time that Joe Judge should be thought of being on the hot seat? It's like if you think that this, you know, if you think Dave Gettleman's done a bad job with this roster, if you think that. Daniel Jones wasn't the right fit for quarterback. If you think this is he's dealt a shitty hand, why would the head coach be on the hot seat? What has he done wrong? I mean, this was a this was a fart game for everybody. You know, the defense from planning to execution very poor. The offense didn't carry its weight either. All these different things. But my pers- like I said, over you you're overreacting week one. My opinion of Joe Jones has not changed one bit. All the stuff that people criticize him for is bullshit, and it's just all superfluous nonsense. He makes—he's a hard ass, and you know, makes him run laps and everything. And it's—is he trying to prove a point? That's all silly garbage. I mean, I don't care about any of that stuff. And now it's like, oh, you see, they make, makes he acts like a tough guy. And now this, and that's all silly narratives for nonsense. You know, we had concerns about Ben McAdoo, pretty much. From day one, from the press conference, (laughs) from the press conference on, we're like, you know, we, we, Pat Shermer. I I remember specifically that Monday night game we were at in, um, in Atlanta where he just completely botched his, his timeouts and his play clock. And I'm like, these are a pattern of mistakes. This guy's making over and over. I mean, we know who the buffoon coaches are out there and they usually are good for once every other game, something it's like, boy, was that stupid. I mean, I can probably put on this hand the things that Joe Judge has done since he's been named head coach that make me scratch my head and say, what is he doing? That's a pretty good percentage of all the moves and the, you know, how he conducts himself and, and, and with the media and things he says and things we see on the field. This, is a, this team is, again, the bar may be low because of his predecessors, but looks like a much better organization than it was two years ago. And, you know, he just, I think he just made a simple mistake. Now, get back to my segue game with officials. I'm going to give a fart to the officials because that one play with the touchdown, I think, is it the same one we was out of bounds in the, with, the, with the flag? Yes, it was. The play clock was clearly 0-0. Zero, zero. Grump and I were jumping up in our seats saying, zero, throw the flag. No flag thrown to the point where I was actually asking, could Denver challenge because we thought it was going to be uh, a turnover, uh, a turnover. I was going to say, can Denver challenge because it should have been a a delay game and no play. And then, you know, they blew the challenge on that. 
you can't challenge I, I don't know somebody has to tell who knows the rules better than I do can you challenge something like the play clock going to zero and it's not uh, uh, you know the wrong call or not because that screwed the Giants because it, it turns out in hindsight that play never should have happened so yeah, that was that same drive. It might have been one play before. It was a deep shot, and I believe it was third down um, to Jerry one, Judy. Yeah, it was the one. It was a turnover, and the turnover was reversed. Yeah, yeah. So it was it was actually the play. Jerry Judy got tackled. I want to say by uh, Jabril Peppers um, broke his foot and immediately dropped the ball. So That's right. it looked like a turnover, but really he was already down. Whatever. But on that play, I want to say it was double zeros for like three seconds. And upon rewatching it, it's even more infuriating because there are four or five Giants players pointing at the play clock when they just let it go. And I'm going to give myself a fart and I'll run a lap when it stops raining because <laughs> I I thought it was Jerome Bolger was our official the whole time. First of all, the speaker system in MetLife might be the worst in the entire league. Every stadium I've been to outside of MetLife has had you, better. You know something though. I'm gonna give the I'm gonna give MetLife Stadium a star for that because we have been in a lot of stadiums. <laughs> no, no, no. The speaker. I, I, I mean, like, I mean, like the official like talking. Oh, I, I couldn't hear I, a I shit, shit he said. Yeah, Nothing he said. Most stadiums, you feel like you're in Studio 54 and you want to just blow your ears out after going to a game. I actually like the way the sound acoustics are in the stadium, but that's a tangent we don't need to talk about right now. Yeah, no, that 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 play was bullshit. Um, you know, they say all aspects of a play are reviewed in reviewable situations. That was ruled a turnover on the field, so it was automatically reviewed. So again, nobody's going to want to challenge. But that should be reviewed anyway. I don't know. Because of the NFL's stupid fucking rule, by the way, of the official is supposed to see the clock at zero, then look again to make sure the ball isn't snapped, so it's like one second, so it becomes very subjective. This is very stupid to me. We have a system now where somebody in New York buzzes, you telling me that there can't be a vibrating thing in their pocket for when the play clock hits zero, and they can just feel it and well, see it at the same time? Simple. I mean, come it's, on. It's, it's very 2021. Simple. That's why we have replay. Where And again, I'm going to go You're on. Right. My biggest thing, which I will be on this soapbox and I will die on this hill, is that rules are rules and rules aren't arbitrary, especially ones that aren't, you know, opinion. You know, it's one thing if it's, you know, is it pass interference or not? Is it holding or not? That's kind of, that's a determination by professional referees to make. However, when you're talking about things like inbounds, out of bounds, touchdown, no touchdown, clock, you know, going down. I mean, the clock is the easiest thing, right? It is, there's nothing, there is no, not by well, he wasn't a t- he wasn't over the line by this much. No, the rule is clearly this, and you have ways to enforce it. You have the technology to do it. There is no gray area for it. And things that have no gray area, you know, oh, the human element. Fuck the human element. I don't care about the. You know, I want it right. Fuck These, humans. Fuck, I hate humans. I'm sick of them. I really am. But you know, sports are not just entertainment. I mean, sports are a business. Sport, you know. How many billions and billions and billions of dollars are spent on gambling now? We saw 4,000 freaking commercials about gambling, <laughs> about it. So somebody who puts money on a game is going to get screwed, not because of what happened on the field, because they didn't enforce the rules correctly. It just drives me up a freaking wall. And no, I didn't lose any money this week gambling, so it's not personal experience. But I mean, it's something that's so easily correctable. And people that complain about replay – are 150% wrong in every one of their arguments about it. So, no, I'm serious. No, I mean, people, people come, the, the one time, the one time out of 10,000 plays where the right call is reversed, that's supposed to be the reason why we shouldn't do something when, you know, how many plays a season where the wrong turn, the wrong play is easily corrected and it's now the right play? It's not a question of they got screwed because of this. The fucking rule is the rule, and the rule has to be enforced properly, and I'm sick of it. All right, man, we're we're running up on time here. You got anything? Any other overreactions you want to hit real quick? You can even rapid fire yeah, them if you want. Yeah, the one thing I want to, before we get into rapid fire, let's, we have to talk really quickly about Daniel Jones. Go for I it. mean, you know, this is probably this should not be hot take number one about the game is Daniel Jones and Jason Garrett, but it is again. If you didn't want Daniel Jones drafted, you thought it was stupid. You're not on his side. You don't want him to succeed. I get that, but I mean. And again, it's it's like asking uh, Mrs. Lincoln how the play was after you know. But besides the fumble, didn't play that badly. I agree. I think I think downfield his accuracy was was spot on. I mean that that 
He had that very early first drive. I know this is going to be overanalyzed, but that very early first drive hard count where Von Miller jumped off sides. He took a deep shot to Slayton. Okay, fine, whatever. We can talk about how that was one of the few deep shots in the game and it came off of a, a free play. But the accuracy, I mean, all the downfield accuracy for him in this game was very, very good. I thought he looked pretty good in the pocket. He didn't make too many mistakes in the pocket, in my opinion. He took a good sack. I mean, he at a point where the entire right side of the line is busted, he didn't try and do too much. He covered up the ball. He went down. It was a short, it was third, I mean, it was, it was the end of the drive. I mean, what are you going to do? At a certain point, taking a sack is a smart thing to do, especially early in the game. The fumble, it makes him look worse than he is, but... If it were any other thing, I'd be like, he made a mistake, whatever. But, I mean, this is kind of the same old story with him, is that turnovers are a problem. So it does end up being a story. But overall, the aggregate picture, if this were an unnamed quarterback looking at the tape and you were just colorblind, didn't see a uniform, logo, last name, anything, you would have said he played fine. Daniel Jones right now is a replacement-level starting quarterback. I mean, he's not a... He's not a he's not a backup quarterback in this league. You know, you, you see these guys that keep bouncing from team to team to team. You know, we've had him for the past couple of years. You know, when somebody gets hurt, you know, this guy comes in or whatever. He's not that. I think he's a starting quarterback in this league. But he's like replacement level. He doesn't, you know, he's in year three. We've been making a lot of excuses defending the guy. He's not spectacular. He's not elite. He's not someone that kind of makes things out of nothing. He doesn't create things. But he's also not horrible. He's there. You know, he's kind of like that pair of, you know, Banana Republic jean, uh, pants you have in your closet. It's like I'm going to work Thursday. I need to put on the pair of pants and I'll put them on. It does, no one's going to walk – no one's going to be like, wow, you look good today. Or no one's going to stick like a freaking schlub. It's like you're just wearing pants. You know, it's you're you're wearing your khakis and you're going to a fucking Panera Bread and having your disgusting, you know, meal with your normal life. And that's kind of what Daniel Jones Daniel Jones right now is just your bland Panera Bread sandwich. You know, it, it's you're not eating pop rocks, you're not having filet mignon. It's just it does the job. And right now, he's kind of doing the job. He is not the weak link in this offense. You know, it, and so. But, and again, we're not going to do this every week. The state of the Daniel Jones was it a bust? Is he a bust or not? Bad move or not? It's just I, I look at a guy and I just see somebody who's just kind of there, and I don't know what that means for the, the the future of this franchise. What is his ceiling from here? Um, the floor is these these turnovers, and they're at the worst possible time. And I think part of it is is mental more than anything else because they seem to happen more in the red zone. You know, and when he's trying to do too much, I. Yep. So here, here's here's my thing. I, I here's, don't know. Here, here's here's where it is for Jones for me. I think you've got yourself a pair of jeans that are not very interesting. So cut them up, make them look cool, make them stylish. If you got a fucking boring ass Panera, hire Guy Fieri to throw some spice on it, bring shit to Flavor Town. Here's exactly why these things keep happening. You keep saying it. He's trying to do too much. You know why? It's because the offense wasn't in a rhythm. They couldn't get in a rhythm. They're playing from behind. They were on a good, promising drive. He's He drops past the, back to pass. Nobody's open. He sees the Red Seas part right in front of him. He takes off for a nine-yard gain on first down, by the way, in the red zone. He gets down there. Hit just. He just He's trying to do too much. He bounces off a hit, and then he gets hit again. Yes, everybody's like, he should slide. But, I mean, when a team has no rhythm, he's not comfortable. I mean, this was finally a drive where he's hitting a rhythm again, and they're playing from behind. It's important. He's trying to do everything. If the team could get the offense in a rhythm more consistently, I don't think that he tries to do everything all of the friggin' time. And it just is what it is. That's, okay. You know, all right, Chef Grump. So what do you do to spice up this Panera Bread of a quarterback? I mean – you know, do you – the play calling is what it is, and we think it's a lot of it because of the offensive line. But what do you do to kind of give them that little special seasoning? I mean, do you roll them out more? Do you what, – what do you do? I mean, his strengths seem to be – it's that paradox where he's pretty effective with his legs, but his legs would usually get him in trouble with the fumbling issues. So what do we do to maximize what we can out of this guy? Well, without getting into a whole thing where we're going to change the entire offense – 
Uh, a lot of motion definitely helps him with his reads before the snap. Um, there was, by the way, more pre-snap motion this game than I can remember from last year. I didn't chart them versus last year, but there seemed to be a lot more pre-snap motion or motioning into the backfield, things like that. Um, that's one thing. Yes, rolling him out helps a little bit, it, especially on play action, um, where you have like so much motion going to one side, you bring him around on the bootleg. That'll definitely help from time to time. RPO was a non-factor in this game. I don't think there was a single RPO play. But mostly... They've done it. for Without changing the philosophy, they gave him a ton of weapons. They tried their damnedest to fill the offensive line with, with talent while also loading... I mean, as a, as a backup, you know, putting the primary focus on getting him weapons and making the defense get off the field to give him more chances. They tried their best to make this a top-five defense. They played like a bottom-five defense yesterday, yeah, Sunday. That, that's why they lost. I mean, it's, it's pure and simple. Um couple real quick points and then we, we'll get out of here um you know again talking about you know oh this team is nothing but wasted first round picks all the way through i saw that quite a bit that string going yesterday again you know we're writing off uh Kadarius tony because one game he had two snaps i mean we've been chronicling chronicling this whole off season of all the things that have gone wrong with him you know he has not been practicing. He has not been on the field that much. What do you expect all of a sudden in week one? You know, Andrew Thomas, again, we already talked about it on this show. Where we thought he played pretty well, but, you know, you just have in your head he played poorly last year. That's why you're not going to go away so quickly. Um, the other thing is the big th- theme we've been the Giants. This is now another wasted season, and I can't, I can't take this anymore. I'm done. Because we're going to waste another year. First of all, you're not done. I mean, the number of t- – you've been suffering for a decade with a shitty team, and now you're done. So don't even say stupid cliches like that. But another wasted season. You know, again, don't fall into the overreaction trap of week one. We're 0-1. We, you know, all we care about – and a reasonable expectation of this team is they can compete for a division title in a very bad division. So let's look at this division really quickly. Are we going to overreact even more to Philly than we are about us? Like all of a sudden we've been thinking for nine months this is going to be one of the three worst teams in the league. And they beat a team that was more inept than them. They still suck, Philly. We've gone through all the things that's wrong with them. So if you're worried about Philly, if you're recalibrating everything you think of because of what you saw yesterday, I don't know what to tell you about that. Washington? Eh. You know, we were questioning their offense already, and now Fitzpatrick is out, and who knows how long. Tyler Haneke's now their, start, their starting quarterback. So, you know, Dallas, Dallas' defense is still shitty. And I don't care what Dak did. You look good, but you still have to contend with that defense is bad. So where is this all going? The Giants right now are 0-1. They're playing in three days. They turn around really quickly and play Washington at Washington with their backup quarterback. Then they play Atlanta, which – if you all think, you know, Philly's the greatest thing of all time, look who they just beat. One of the worst teams in the league right now. So I expect this team, as bad as they looked, to all of a sudden be in 13 days from now, 2-1. and one. And that 2-1 and one means you are probably tied for the division lead. You know, it's going to be very, very difficult. This team, quite frankly, is not good enough to overcome being down 0-2, 0-3 to start the season. doesn't mean it's, you know, statistically possible or, you know, but we don't think this team is good enough that they can rip off multiple wins during the season against, you know, an ever-increasingly difficult schedule. But what's in front of them for the next couple of weeks is certainly attainable. You come out of week three up, you know, two and one, it's not a wasted season. It's kind of exactly what we expected this team to be. I mean, it's just all about, what your expectation is, don't get freaked out and go nuts about the last thing you saw, which is the first thing you'll see this year in a new league where, you know, again, preseason doesn't mean dick anymore and the first game doesn't mean anything. Let's have this conversation about season. Well, is this a wasted season or are we actually going to be in it, what we're doing in the future until this plays out a little bit? And we're in a good possible scenario with the next two teams we're playing. That's, that's all I have to say about this. The the silver lining here is that this loss was an AFC loss, so 
Of all losses to have, the out-of-conference one is the one that you probably have. And wait a minute. You know, if Teddy Bridgewater – you know, everybody all of a sudden has got massive bonus for Jameis Winston. You know, backup who hasn't played in a while and has five touchdowns and goes crazy. What if Teddy Bridgewater, you know, who we all think is a pretty good quarterback, has been – has had bad luck with health and just being in the wrong place at the wrong time, never utilized. What if he's found a home in Denver? And what if this team – and I know I said last week the win – Win-loss uh, thing in Vegas was only, I think, seven and a half. What if they're better than we thought they were? What nope. if it's not? Nope, 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 not, not, not buying that. Not buying uh, that at all. I'm not probably not buying it either, but what if? Does your perception of week one change in yes. five weeks? If Denver is four and one, does your perception of how bad this game change? Uh, four and one slightly. If you start getting down to like, you know, Eight and three, you know, like really getting deep in the season because I don't know what their schedule looks like. To, yeah, okay. To, so I mean, they might have a, a string of games. Let's say they overachieve based on what we think they are, you know, because we saw we saw a pretty good team, you know. I mean, say what you want about the defense not being prepared or, or any of these other things, but we saw a team that you know did what they wanted to do on third down. We saw a quarterback, you know, pretty shifty. We didn't even see them run the ball. We were afraid about their running game. You know, and they really didn't get – until they broke off that big one at the end of the game, we did a pretty good job of their running game. But the strength of their offense really is their running game. What if they are better? I mean your perception changes about this one game. My point being, don't let a one-game sample size change your thinking about what you think this team is and can do. And don't let it cloud your thinking going forward that, you know, that's what you, that's what you think, that's what you know, and that's what is what it is because it's not. What you should do is follow me on Twitter at football underscore grump, um, where I will have a lot more information about different things that I see throughout my rewatch. You can follow the cranky fan the, at, at the same place on Twitter at the cranky fan, where he will hit you with some raised stuff in the pennant race. Ugh. He's gonna keep bitching about the Giants, and he's gonna he is ready for Bama Saturday. Jesus, ready to beat the shit out of Bama. All right, guys, so we will see you actually Thursday morning because we get the short friggin' week. we got to hit another episode on Wednesday night. So you will see us there. Um, again, iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, and uh, YouTube. So be sure to look for us there. Um, and uh, we'll see you for another game preview then. All right, everyone? Go Giants. Go Giants.